Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land Christmas special, apparently. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas if you're listening and celebrate Christmas. And a Happy uh, New this Year. This is the last show that we will do before Christmas. The, the Happy New Year wishes, Rob, are going to come in the next shows that we do. That's very true, yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And I hope Man United make your Christmas a little bit more bearable because they're going to go to West Ham. And I just got this feeling that West Ham, having lost 5-1 to Liverpool in the League Cup, might not be so bad. United tend to lose this fixture a lot. And on the 20, I believe it's the 23rd, the early kickoff on Saturday. Uh, we're recording this Thursday, mm. but we're putting it out Friday morning, I believe. So a little bit of a bite-sized episode for you to talk about football. We did a Dan Ashworthy, Jim ratcliffe kind of show on Thursday. So go back and check that one out. That should have some legs in it, hopefully, until uh, something gets announced. So if you missed it and you over Christmas, you want to you're a little bit bored or you're sleepy or something like that, you want to chuck something in your ears, that is the one to listen to. But this is the one that is, uh, it's got about 24 hours of a window to be relevant in. But Rob, how is it going? Not bad, Scott. We haven't spoken for such a long time, you and me, have we? Mm. Oh, about, Unbelievable. About, uh, it's about been so long that, that Rob, is, uh, <laughs> Rob is wearing different attire. and I, I, So am I. Costume uh, change. Yes, costume changes. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And like, I just want to say this as well, since it's a, this is a Christmassy. There's no Christmas decks if you're watching on YouTube. I've got nothing. Um, neither is Rob. Uh, we're not really in the Christmas spirit, according to how we look on, on YouTube. Uh, but if you're listening, and you're watching anyway, I just want to say thank you to everyone. Uh, from Rob, I'm sure Rob will say something in a second, but just want to say thank you to uh, everybody who listens or watches and gets some kind of pleasure or satisfaction out of listening to this show or watching this show um you know I, I think i get more um compliments for this than anything else i do um which is which is really nice um and it means a lot so if, if you do enjoy the show and want to leave us a nice little christmas review on one of the podcast platforms or chartable or something like that then that would be that would be nice and would be ideal. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate all the support and everybody who listens. Every list, every listen, every download counts, and it's it's kind of humbling, Rob, isn't it? But it's uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pass to you to say your your to share your gratitude because I'm sure you are. Uh, yes, yeah, very grateful. And do you remember Scott when we first talked about doing this show, didn't we? Like ages ago, years ago, and it didn't happen, did it, for a long time because just busy other commitments, you know, and it, and it is a commitment to kind of put together a show twice weekly to make sure it all pops and that you're on, on point. And we do it because of the audience. That's why we do it is because we have such a, a kind of loyal audience, I think through these years that we've been doing it. And it, we, we just, you know, without you guys, we wouldn't do it. So just thank you so much. And yes, have a Merry Christmas and just continue supporting us into next year. We will do obviously a show before the new year, but, 
you're in that realm, aren't you, at Christmas, where you are thinking about 2024. Hopefully better things to come for Manchester United, obviously the, the subject that we talk about every single week. But what we will talk about on this episode, actually, I just want to say thanks again and uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, I want to thank you, Scott. Thank you, oh, Scott. Th- thank- thanks to you as well, mate. Thank you for being part of the, the promised land and uh, and everything you do. And thank you to Rob for um, everything that you do also. Look, Rob, this is uh, this is getting out of hand now. We can't do <laughs> Not on a recording. Uh Big hug. Uh, there's a virtual hug from Rob. Uh, th- thanks very much. Uh, been a good year, actually. Went to Vegas, didn't we? So uh, that was that was a nice, interesting uh, little turn of events. But yep, back recording behind the screen. Uh, and you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promise and the Man United Pod. Uh, like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, etc., etc. Hit the notification bell on YouTube as well so you never miss a show. And double underscore Scott Saunders on X. IG, TikTok. I'll be posting there a lot more in 2024 uh, because now I have the facilities to be able to do it. Um, at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at TPLMUSC on X. But like we said, today we'll talk a little bit more bite size. We'll talk about the footballs. Uh, United have not... United haven't scored a goal in three games. It just <laughs> dawned on me. They haven't scored at Anfield. They didn't score against Bayern. They didn't score against Bournemouth. Mm. No, they lost 3-0 to Bournemouth, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they did. Yes. Uh, so not scored a goal in three games. And then I've been to this West Ham versus Man United fixture quite a few times in the last few years. And I've seen some absolute rotters. Absolute stinking performances. Uh, now, the thing is, like, there's a there's a a sickness bug that's been going around the camp mm. at West Ham. And, <laughs> you know, they, they played Liverpool last night with a rotated team. But you just think, oh, United have had a week off. They've got some people coming back from injury and that kind of thing. Sorry, my computer froze for a second there. I thought I was going to drop off. Um, <laughs> but you just think, United should be well-placed to win this one, but it just never works that way. And I, I don't know how you, how do you feel about this one because I've been to this game enough times over the last few years and I've seen them lose <laughs> quite a lot. So I can't shake that feeling at the minute. Well, historically, United don't travel that well to East London. So that's the truth. You're right. This is, a, is always a tricky fixture. Uh, as an older Manchester United fan, my mind is always pulled back to the 90s with that year, we lost the title to Blackburn. Blackburn lost on the final day to Liverpool, funnily enough. Jamie Red, Redknapp, free kick in the 91st minute. And Man United needed to win at West Ham. And we drew. And we didn't win the title. And Ludic McCloskey that day made about six saves from Andy Cole from about six yards. And that changed history. So that's always in my mind about West Ham. That is their kind of... They're always that team we end up playing at the end of the season, isn't it, Scott? It's like the, I think they're always like the last game of the season as well at Old Trafford. And we've had some interesting games with them there. Going back over time, Carlos Tevez, I remember, saving West Ham and then on his, his way to Manchester United because of that. So this, this fixture has meaning. And I think especially this time of year where United are, as you said, without scoring goals... You have to look at this positively and say, right, if you could go to West Ham, get a result against a sick West Ham, you know, sick as in their ill and got the flu, then um, then you can really kick on into the new year. And it's a big fixture for United. They need to win it as well, don't they? Because it's been... They have to. Yeah, you know, the Liverpool game was obviously 
a win nil nil, according to like you know, so massively massively overplayed. Like it was a draw. You know, I think people are just like, fine, great, we didn't lose. Let's just move on. Like mm. <laughs> you know, but they need to start winning because things have been patchy. They drew their first game this season actually last weekend that we didn't mention that, but. Um, they need to start clocking up some wins. They've got, as we mentioned on the last show, West Ham, Aston Villa at home on Boxing Day Eve, right? Eight mm-hmm. o'clock kickoff, I think. And yes. then Forest away have just changed manager on the 30th. New manager bounce. Three, three games before the end of the year. Not easy ones. No. Um, but win a, they could conceivably win all three, but they can conceivably lose all three or take one point from all three. Like... So it's a it's a bit of a dodgy one, but United have in this fortunate position where they have a week off or six days, a full week's worth of training. And I believe Christian Eriksen's returned to training as well. Um, but we talked about this the other day, Rob. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes was suspended for the last game. He's now back. What do we think he's going to do in midfield? Because we know what we would like to see, but we don't think we, he's going to do what we would like to see, do we? Or have you changed your mind? No, no, I've not changed my mind because if Eric Ten Hag is anything, it's pretty predictable, isn't he? Doesn't tend to shock us either in press conferences or with team sheets. Pretty good at predicting those things because we see his methodology and how he wants to do things. Of course, Bruno will come back in. There's no doubt about it. There's, you know, Bruno plays when he's got injuries or when he hasn't got injuries. He's always the first, I think, first player on the team sheet in many aspects. Is that the right thing for this game? I don't know. Like you just said there about the the run. And for me, rather than it being a hard set of games, it is a complicated set of games. Tricky. So like tricky. How do you manage these situations and make sure you're not you don't, you know, you know, you don't capitulate? You just mentioned there Liverpool. Um with that Bayern and Liverpool game, I said that it's most important there that you don't get hammered because you're bleeding at the moment, your heart's on the table, it's poured out your chest. You need to just hold it and make sure you don't get hammered. And I actually think the Bayern and Liverpool results constitute some kind of success. I know people won't believe that, but you you know, you didn't get destroyed by either team and you actually walked away of Anfield with a point. You should be able to build on that, but not scoring goals is a problem. So I think that's where Bruno comes into the solution because I'd like to see Bruno play as a number 10. Guess what, Scott? I think he'll probably play as a number eight and I think you'll probably see Kobe Manu on the bench, probably. So I would love to be surprised by that. And we see Manu go into the midfield with Amrabat. And I think Ericsson here as well, it can be a differential because he's a ball player. And that's where United still lack smarts, isn't it? On the deck, playing actual football. But it looks like Scott McTominay as well, Scott here now. Just feels like Scott gets picked every week now, doesn't it? Like he doesn't, he can't do any wrong because <laughs> he's the guy who's going to burst into the box and score you a goal. And West Ham's a very Scott McTominay fixture. Like, could we? Yeah, it, it is actually, isn't it? It, it? It's always like you know, it, it, I can just see Scotty bursting into the box with a header and and scoring a goal for you at maybe his future next club. Do we think this could be a Amrabat rotates out and Kobe goes in the six? Maybe, but I think, again, just looking at the body work for the season, that's not something that the manager has leaned towards. When he's played a young player, so he played him, obviously, in the last game he was forced to because of the rotation with Bruno being out, then he tends to sit them the next week. So Hannibal did that, had a really good game, got sat, had another good game, got sat, 
and over a four or five game period. And he said in his presses, I'm not going to kill my young kids and play them over and over again. Now, I think you're in another scenario and you have to make sure that, that you've got your best team out there. So I'd love to see Manu start against West Ham because you're going to have to go there and have that intent in midfield. Find a way to be better than you have been for the rest of the season and beyond. Yeah. So obviously you mentioned there, Rob, that the, the goal scoring abilities is a problem. Mm. Uh, Marcus Rashford didn't start at Liverpool either. He's had yeah. a bit of an illness slash illness um <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure he has been ill but like obviously there's been reports of falling falling outs and this this kind of thing as well um how different do you think the team could do you think it will be different going into this one from from last sunday to this this week because no matter what you say really i know that at anfield anthony did quite a good job working backwards but he's still quite frustrating in the sense of when he gets the ball he doesn't use it perfectly Rasmus Hoyland still without a Premier League goal and Garnacho is blowing hot and cold really at the minute mm. um, even though we know he's got talent how do you see this uh, maybe Martial's back to fitness unless he's been excluded because he threw a tantrum on the Everton in the Everton game and then played after it um, but you know hopefully even a week after United get, get eliminated, eliminated from Europe hopefully you're starting to see or hopefully we can start to see over the next let's say six weeks where they play only five games. This is mm. mad. Like they play five games now between this point and the end of January. So you should hope that most of the injury problems will clear up by that point. They play Tottenham on the 14th of January and then that's it. I believe. Yeah. So yeah, let's look at the West Ham game. Do you think they'll make any changes in the forward department because of the lack of goal scoring? Well, so you just mentioned Anthony there, and I actually think that he's one player that probably won't get changed. He's a ten hard guy. He he works in your press. Yes, he's still frustrating, but none of that is new news. We know that's exactly what he does. Um, whether ten hard will go back to a more defined four one four one, I think is the bigger question because then you kind of look at, at how you make that fit. Whether you go with an Amrabat in that there, you know, I called him the Amrabat solution, and people obviously jumping on him this week. I don't think he'll stay at the football club, but. It's how you work it around that. And I can kind of see Ten Hag starting Anthony, maybe starting Garnacho again. Like, you know, we just said about not starting youngsters. Well, that doesn't count for Garnacho. Seems like he, he can start every game. I wouldn't yeah, but be... you could argue that last season he treated him the same. He did, exactly. And, and he was like that. He was on the bench a lot when we were saying, please play him, wasn't it? It was that kind of, that was that methodology. I will not be surprised to see Marcus Rashford come in as the nine. Now, that's not my preference, uh, when I said that the other day on the show and mooted it, people were like, oh, have you never seen Marcus Rashford play? He's not a good number nine. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with you, people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying about what the manager might do. Because I do think the whole thing with Hoyland is that he does look a little bit down at the moment. He does look a little bit like I'm not getting the balls I need. I'm not being able to play my game. It's a problem. And when you've got a young player like that, it's the same situation as any of the young players is that you take them out the firing line, don't you? So we've already seen him rotated significantly, I think, in the last few weeks in and out when we thought, will he start, will he not start? But I think with Marcus, you could kind of say to Marcus, yeah, you played a nine, it's a simplified role. You're going to play at the top here of the of the attack and we want you to run in straight lines and run in behind. You, you don't have to go and do a lot of the real pressing work. We'll leave that to Anthony. We'll leave that to Garnacho. Bruno's back in as a 10, 8, running from, from deeper. 
I think that's what we're more likely to see. But I think it's also a little bit of a litmus test, Scott, to see how the manager feels about Marcus Rashford at the moment. Because if he really, they're not getting on or it's not working or he's not happy with his work, you'll see him on the bench again, won't you? That's where, yeah, you, that's where he'll point. start. Yeah. Um, obviously, you'd think that Rashford is now over whatever illness there was. And like obviously, we've had, as we mentioned there, it would be six days between matches. So you'd think he would probably be okay. And he came on at Liverpool as well. So it, you're right there, Rob, I think. Mm. Um, and maybe you could still hold it up at Rashford and say he's not played well enough to deserve a, a starting spot at the moment. And you need to provide or put in a bit of a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously we know on Anthony and that kind of thing. And that's that's one of the things that's shown Jaden Sancho's nose out of joint. <laughs> no matter mm-hmm. how bad he plays, he still gets picked. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, but we're in a position where we're talking about options for it's once, good. which which is which is a good thing. Uh, Talk about sickness there. Like I'll just say this yeah. one thing: this is not reveal, but this is absolutely how it works. If someone is genuinely sick, they are banned from your team. They're kept away. They're isolated. You're not allowed to sit with them on the bench because you might make them sick. So just take that into account. So people going, Marcus Rashford is sick. If he was sick, he would be told to stay well away from Carrington. And players have told us that before. You, you're told you don't need to obviously infect the team. Whatever his illness was, he might have had a little bit of a cold, but that was not the reason why he wasn't starting games. Yeah. Do we think now, Rob, uh, I don't know where, where you want to go specifically with this, but I'm just looking at like little points in the team and which mm. lineup. We we don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll wait to hear from Eric Ten Hag. I think his press conference will still be on Friday. So we're recording this well ahead of time. And maybe some of the injury news is uh, is a little bit different. But yeah, we had Rafa Varane. Let's just talk about him for a second. Do we think that now he put in a man of the match performance at Liverpool, that he is in back in the team? Like and that all of that, I'm keeping him out of the team because he's not a very good left centre back. Is he's going to make a rod for his own back, really? Isn't he? If he drops him back to the bench, he will do. But I think again, it comes down to needs must. So we will find out a little bit more now about Harry Maguire's injury. And we believe it's not as serious as first feared. What do we know about that, Scott? Oh no, I, I don't know anything. I'm just I'm just going by because it, it happened right in front of me when I was at the game, and yeah. it looked. It did not look good. Like that, that is weeks for me. Like, well, like, we'll, like again, we'll yeah, like again, if, if you've got this period over January where players can rehabilitate, that, that then makes it less crucial, doesn't it? So if he misses two or three or four games, then you'll live with that because he'll then come back into your team. But what, what you just said there about Rafa Ran is really, really important because this is about the stylistic properties of Man United and about whether you pull Luke Shaw back into the center and that he plays as a center back. Now, we know he can play that left sided role. I think the big thing for me is that when you lose Luke Shaw at left back, you lose a lot of your shape. You lose a lot of your fundamentals of ball progression on that side. He's one of our best ball progressors in the team from left back, not necessarily from centre back where he's more of a coverage player. So I think with with Varane, honestly, it's pathetic. They're falling out and that's why he's not being, being picked. And they might have kissed and made up. You know, Rafa Varane's a, a, an adult in the room. You know, I think we've always said that before that, kind of a mature personality. And, yeah, he didn't look very happy to me a couple of weeks ago when he was on the bench. I said that to you, Scott. He looked a little bit miffed and a little bit like, you know, what am I doing here type thing. 
but he deserves his chance. You know, like you haven't got other options. I, I still want him in the team ahead of Victor Lindelof. No offense to Victor Lindelof fans. So I think you have to do that. And I would not be surprised in this game that you 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 go with Varane and you stick with Varane over this period. Because as you said, there's a bit of time after Christmas now to rehabilitate. And if Varane stays tired, he's going to have time at least to kind of be away from the pitch and get himself fully fit. So just uh, in the wider scheme, hmm. if, and I, I know I already know the answer to this, if United lose, is it that get the manager out again, get him out and we'll, obviously this is a no, but hmm. will Eric Ten Hag be getting his P45 on Christmas Day? Let's just say, like, you know, just asking the question for the sake of the podcast, I don't believe that that's the case. But obviously if, if United lose that game, Christmas is going to be spent in the same position we were a week ago. Right? Yes. Questions the, about the manager. In the bin. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, we've just done a show uh, about Dan Ashworth and uh, Ineos and intentions maybe with Jim Ratcliffe. So if you haven't listened to our previous show, go and listen to that now after this one. But the link there is, is that, one thing we didn't speak about in that show is what do you want to do with the manager's role, which is somewhere down the food chain when you sort out sporting directors and directors of football roles. I think when you look at Eric Ten Hag, it is still precarious for him. I really do. Like, you know, if, if the team does fail, say over this period where you have less commitments over January and that, you know, they come in in the OS and they go, kind of go, well, we're not really very impressed with how the day-to-day running of the club is under the manager. And there is every chance that you, know, you lose one or two games. It's just easy, isn't it? You can sack someone and move on. But I, I still don't believe that that is their first concern. I don't think they look at Eric Ten Hag and think, right, the first thing we need to do is get rid of this guy because that's fixes stuff. That's very Ed Woodward, isn't it? That's very like classical Glazer ways. And I know that happens at other football clubs. It's not just a Man United thing. So, no, I don't, it, it, again, Scott, I think it also depends how you play. You know, like, you know, if you go to West Ham and get destroyed, absolutely, it becomes a different conversation. Have you lost a dressing room? You know, do other players playing for you anymore? I think what we've seen in the last few weeks, Scott, even with some of the defeats, that the players have still turned up. You know, they've, they've put in a shift. It just still isn't quite working. And as you said, right at the top of the show, scoring goals. Man United need to find a way to score goals at West Ham, otherwise you're definitely not winning. West Ham have scored 11 more league goals than Man United. Yeah. And you don't think of West Ham as a particularly prolific team, do you? Uh, it's No. It's a funny old situation they're in. I'm going to make a really, really apt comparison here, Scott, right? Who do West Ham play at the top of their pitch at the moment? Who is their striker? Oh. You do know. Jared Bowen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, he's I thought you were going to go the kudos. Angle. No, 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 no. Because I know we talked about it. We should do a little bit of kudos after. <laughs> but it, it's Bowen. Bowen's playing the nine, right, as a false nine. And you know what? He's doing really well. He scored goals. He's got the team going in the right direction. I still do not know why Man United have never, ever played Bruno in that role. Because Bruno could play that role as, as someone who drives into that area and operates just around the box. And Bowen is not a nine at all. No one would have said a year ago that that's your option when it when he was kind of playing behind Antonio and, and playing that function. And, and I think that Bruno's got goals in him. 
So if you want goals and you're not happy with what your nine is doing at the moment, why are we not having that conversation? Why is Bruno Fernandes not playing as a false nine and you can play a proper 4-3-3 and you can go and do it? But we don't do it. So we don't see this manager do that. I actually did it with Tadic. Tadic was his guy, deep line player, played in midfield, playmaker, and he ended up as a striker and did really well as for Ajax. And people were like, wow, that's we didn't see that coming. Well, you did. He did it at Southampton for a little while and, and his previous career. But I think you could do it with Bruno Fernandes. So I'm not quite sure why that is not on the table because that would then take Bruno out of the midfield and your midfield might be a lot better without Bruno in it. Uh, let's ask that Kudas question. Go on. Because we did loads of shows on him. Oh, God. I feel like I've done about 100 shows on Kudos over the years <laughs> about who he was. Even when he was unknown at Ajax, we were doing shows about this is a guy that Ten Hag likes. Yeah. And obviously, the the question has been. I think he scored. He scored twice last weekend. Yeah, against Wolves. I think he did, didn't he? One from twenty five nice yards or whatever. Nice goals. Yeah. And the inevitable inevitable comparison is ah, why did he spend all this money on Anthony? You know, <sighs> Kudus has scored nearly the same amount of and goals Anthony scored in his Man United career in one game. All of this, I don't know the stats there, <laughs> but I, you know. Uh, we did say, I mean, that, that's a player that you, you could have played through the middle as well. But obviously, United did not go for Kudus. They ended up spending 30 million at least more than they should have on Anthony at the time. And this is what happens when you have people making decisions and just okaying transfers, no matter, throwing cost out the window. Because you think of how... Do you think Anthony would be under the same pressure if he'd have been signed in June for 50 mil versus August for 80? <laughs> or if he played you know? for West Ham? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's know. When we bought Anthony, um, Kudos was on the radar, but Kudos was valued about 18 million at the time. Right. So no one was really interested in him. We did a lot of shows on him going back with the masterclass about about the potential fit and one thing or another. I think, Scott, the, the error came in the summer was that United became so obsessed about buying a number nine that they threw all, a ton of cash at that, 77 million on Hoyland. I'm not saying Hoyland was a bad buy at all, but I think you could have gone and got someone who was multidimensional in the attack, like a kudos, for a good price. And then you could have gone and bought another midfielder, maybe, for all the same value. And this is really Man United's problem, isn't it? It's that you could have gone and got Kudos, who's absolutely there for you. And he, I think he would have worked left, right, centre, played him in different roles. You could have someone who does more Rashford things, but maybe does it better than Marcus on the deck, you know, in terms of, like, the balance of the team. And then you also t- can take Anthony out at times. United don't have that kind of multi-dimensional element as I just called it you know they don't have that it's all very rigid bog standard I think with Kudos I, when he went to West Ham I just laughed I was like he was gonna be brilliant at West Ham like it's perfect club for him oh it's so it's so written that he's gonna score against them uh, and, and and he's and he's probably <laughs> Premier League ready in the way that he plays and his style of football and and you can see I reckon by the end of the season he'll probably be worth 80 90 100 million and you'll, have, and you'll have teams banging on his door because I think he's got a lot of talent. I think there's a lot more to him than we've even seen at the moment. And he's showing he can score goals. But I just think the, the elements of him coming from the wide areas, that's what football's about now is your wide forwards. 
really are the ones that win and lose you football matches and really do and put the ball in the net. It's not always about the number nine. I think that's the issue for United. We went and bought a number nine for 77 million. Guess what, Scott? We're even worse at scoring goals this year than we were last year. And it was a problem last year. And I don't blame the striker. I'm not blaming Hoyland at all with that. I think that's part of his development. But we said when we bought Hoyland, you're going to have to suck it up that this boy might take some time to score goals. Like we said that. We did that all in our shows on him. And that's just where we are with it. And I don't blame him. But Ten Hag has to find those answers around that. We will see if he finds those answers in the Saturday early kickoff in the Premier League. The one before Christmas, which, you know, hopefully... Let's just, just win by any means, by yes. any means. I don't care if you get a dodgy decision, you end up winning. I'll just take that. Just like, don't ruin Christmas for everyone, United. Let's see uh, if Bruno having a few days off helps him. Like, I know he's obviously been training, but might actually help him that grind of, of two, twice weekly games. Having a game off might help him. We don't know. It might just, you know, give him an extra perk to, to kind of go and play his best game. Lots of things in the mix, uh, team selection, uh, rotation, rest, all of this kind of thing. Uh, but United have to get three points, really, because you're looking at the table and you think if you lose this game, you go in into eighth. If Brighton win, you go into ninth. Mm. And then you're already five points off fifth and six points off the top four, which isn't terrible, but really no. you can't really afford like to fall any further behind. So we'll see. And then Aston Villa, who are third, got Old Trafford on Boxing Day. Villa's tough, but Villa are not as good away as they are at home. At home, they're impossible they to They play beat. that high line and you play a, a fast attack. Exactly. And I, I think it's against ways. West Ham, yeah, I think against West Ham, I would really like to see Aaron Wan-Bissaka come back in the team. Because I think you need someone who will physically challenge Kudos in that kind of deeper areas where, you know, someone who can go to him. I think if Delo is the guy backing him up and Delo's in front of him, I think they'll rip right through that side of the pitch. And that's where Bowen becomes dangerous because he can play the false role, make up an extra head there, and they can pick you apart outside the box and suddenly then they're in. And that's our problem. So I, I would like to see Wan-Bissaka get the start. Um, I think he said Upton Park, again, showing how old I am. At the uh, at the Olympic Stadium, London Stadium, as they call it now, um, and and I think you need to really you need to have that set there in that part of the park because that's where you could get hurt. But it also help you with the counter press if you can win the ball off those forwards there. You can go through midfield quickly, get the ball to Garnacho, get the ball to Anthony, and be on the front foot. We'll see how it goes. That is it. A little bit of a bite sized episode. Thirty minutes has ended up being, uh, but anyway, we would like again to wish you happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, Rob, as well. And Merry uh, Christmas to you all. Yep. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching or listening over the past year. We'll, we'll be back before the new year happens, comes around. Uh, we'll be back, maybe, if United make some kind of announcement about their ownership situation. Maybe we'll have to do something a bit quick. I don't know, but we, we don't know when that's going to be. Might be a live show moment, or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Uh, not Christmas Day, though. I'm not doing Christmas Day. Um <laughs> Imagine that Christmas Day, the news drops, and it's like, what do we all do? <laughs> it's like, well, we're yeah. having Christmas. That's all we're yeah. doing. Uh, but yes, I'm sure. I'm sure we hear some more news around there, and I'm still predicting that Man United want to win Christmas. You know, it's like some bad Home Alone three film or something like that, uh, where where they want to be the ones that kind of make the big pizzazz announcement that they're now going to do something different in 2024. 
It'll happen at some point. Go back and listen to the show that we did on Thursday as well about Dan Ashworth. If you want to, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well. Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc., And watch us on YouTube, The Promised Land of Man United Podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notification bell as well, and give us a, a holiday follow on the social platforms at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at TPLMUSC for the podcast. That's it from us uh, for now. And we'll be seeing you after the Villa game unless something happens that we cannot ignore. We'll be seeing you after the Villa game. So important period coming up for United. They need to start winning again as they haven't scored or won in their last three matches in all comps. But difficult run ahead, but all winnable games, all very losable as well. But they've got to get their heads on, got to get their tactics right and got to start scoring goals. Until next time, everyone, thanks for listening. Have a fantastic uh, holiday season and we'll see you soon for another Promised Land podcast. Until next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.